Live from the Padawanami Studios in Idaho Falls, Idaho, I'm your host, Jared Andrus, and welcome to History on the Dark Side. Well, I'm afraid I have to put out a special disclaimer at the start of this episode. It seems that in the recording of this episode of the Duke, young Master Duke, he's so young, he's so young, decided to sit so far away from his microphone that you can barely hear him. The good news for you, the listener, is that you can hear me just fine. And let's face it, I'm the big deal here. So little Dukers, step your game up next episode. And from listening to it, it's a token a bit annoying. I apologize now. But mostly the way I ask and answer questions, you can gather what he was saying if you can't hear it clearly. So with that disclaimer, let's complete this episode with Duke Andrus on History on the Dark Side, Season 2, The Nazi Doctors and Euthanasia. So as you get bigger people, even if they're not completely there mentally, they've got strength. And you have to overcome that, either through treachery or sheer force, to get something accomplished if you're going to try and get rid of them. And this is the point where in... Asylums and hospitals within Germany, after the war started, they start testing out. we got to find a better way to get rid of people because if they fight us, it's bad. It's also more traumatic for the doctors and nurses, right? Like if you're just a um, kid's having a bad life, now just go to sleep and you're dead and it's peaceful. Okay, that's... One level of moral dilemma, if I got to fight you to get you to die, I got to go home and think about that. That's different. You were fighting for what? My life. Okay, that's what you were fighting for. How do I justify, if he's enough cognizant to do that, who am I to say you shouldn't, right? So that's part of the moral dilemma that they face. So we have a medical problem that we can't kill people efficiently enough and in a way that is least psychologically damaging to the people we're asking to do it, doctors and nurses. Okay, These are not Nazi soldiers walking into hospitals and putting one in the back of everybody's head. A couple reasons for that. One, well, that's a little blatant. Like, I can say you got pneumonia, but... If I give you the body back and there's a hole in it, you're going to go, well, I think this might have been something else. But they they did that. The the groups, the Eisengruppen, who went around killing Jews in Eastern Europe, at first, before the gas chambers, they did that. They lined them up in front of pits and shot them, shot them, shot them, shot them. And those people went crazy because psychologically that's damaging to sit there and murder men, women, and children. It messes up your head. So we're trying to dodge those same sort of psychic traumas in doctors and nurses that are performing these euthanasias, while at the same time making them effective in garnering less resistance from the patients. So how do, everybody kind of knows this, how do we end up killing Jews primarily in places like Auschwitz? What's our means of execution? The ones were not just starving to death, beaten to death, working to death. They're going in the gas chambers. That idea grew from this Action T4 program. 
it looked different. So what they started doing is they would just put a bunch of people, you know, four or five, in the back of a truck. So you think of like a bread truck now, kind of that size, panel truck. It's got a big cargo area in the back. So they'd wall that off. They'd put the exhaust into the back of the truck. And if you're just running exhaust in there, what's going to happen? So you get carbon monoxide poisoning. Some of how that works, are you familiar with how that actually works in your body when you get carbon monoxide poisoning? Yeah, like the carbon monoxide, it takes the place of oxygen and then it just chills there. So that way the blood isn't actually getting oxygen. Okay. And it's But it's still like circulating through. Mm-hmm. And it's doing everything it's supposed to, but like you can't tell okay. because... And it's... It's slow. Like, I've, I've been watching all these uh, documentaries the last couple of days about people climbing Everest. You get up into the dead zone, right? The air's like a third as much oxygen as it is at sea level. And the people up there, they get tired and they get weak and they get disoriented and they just want to lay down in the snow and go to sleep. And if they do, they die. But they die peacefully. Because, like you said, the body's doing what it's supposed to. It's just not getting the oxygen. It's not, uh, you know, if I put you down in the water, that's not peaceful. You're thrashing and fighting and trying to get up to the air. But here I'm breathing this stuff, and it feels a little bit like air. I'm sure there's lots of other stuff in car exhaust that doesn't feel like air, so that part's gross. But it's a relatively common, peaceful way to go, which is good. We don't want people fighting, but it does take a little while. So if the people go, hey, I'm locked in a freaking truck and there's some gas coming from down there. If I'm mentally deficient, maybe I don't put that together, but maybe I do, and that's going to be a problem for me, right? Until this takes its effect. What am I doing? You're banging and thrashing around like a water. I'm banging like nuts on the side of this panel van, which is loud. <laughs> okay? So if I'm at a hospital in a town, People are walking by. They don't think nothing of a truck backed up against the building. But if somebody's banging around in there like they're dying, because they are, that's going to draw some attention from the neighbors. So that doesn't work. They like the concept, but it doesn't work. Any guesses what they try next? They put wood on the panel. Okay, so close. Instead of putting them in the truck, Let's back the truck back up to a a specially designed room that's airtight that has some sort of gasket so I can connect the exhaust to the room, gas them in there. Now, the sides of a panel van are just thin metal and they're loud. If I'm doing this in a room, I can make that room anything I want, right? I can pad the walls. I can make it soundproof. I can do whatever in there. So this is better. And then... This is the best part. This is German efficiency at its worst. Because in all of these killings, the big question isn't how do we ethically do something or the other. It's always how can we be more efficient? I think we ran out of tape over there. That's that's a struggle. Sorry, YouTube. (laughs) But we'll finish for the podcast. So the struggle is how do we make it more efficient? If you've got them in that room and they die, now if there's a door, we can open that right into the truck. 
load them, drive off. Nobody ever sees you moving bodies. Just trucks backing up. You didn't hear anything. You just saw a truck running at what looks like a loading dock. So unless you're counting the people going in and the people, like at some point you go, man, they've had like 400 new patients and they've only got 30 beds in there. But you have to do that kind of math. You got to be looking for it or you're not even going to see that. So the idea of using gas really starts there in the euthanasia program. Now, eventually, this is going to get shut down in Germany. They're going to go hog wild outside of German borders. But it turns out German citizens, when they find out about this or they suspect this, they really don't think it's cool. And they have some allies. The Catholic Church is like, you know, we frown on you going around killing people. We were kind of on your side with let's not have abortions, but I don't know, it feels a little bit like murder. I think that might be one of those commandment things. <laughs> Lutheran, same way. But the Catholic Church makes a big stink, and they're not untouchable. The Nazis don't really think much of anybody's untouchable, but they are such a big piece of the social fabric that it's easier to just calm that down than to fight. That's probably something they look at down the road. Hey, we got to get rid of these Catholics. But for now, we just want to calm it down. So eventually within Germany, this program's going to be shut down. It's going to be stopped. But you're going to have hundreds of thousands of German citizens who are going to be killed over the course of these few years. And worse of all, it's just this little proving ground. We are going to learn the lessons we need to here to uh, make these things more efficient when we scale them up. So when we get to the time of the camps, okay? And really, these little asylums, these little institutions, they're just mini camps, right? We've got doctors who run them. Medical staff oversee every step of the way. We've had doctors sign off on who's going to live or die. We've basically made a selection. It looks different, but the process of putting someone in one of these institutions isn't much different than that of Mengele at the ramp at Auschwitz, deciding who's going to go where. It's basically the same thing, scaled down. And then we're going to gas them, same thing. How we dispose of the bodies is a little different. Now, I, I don't know exactly what they do with all the bodies. Okay, Some of them probably go back because people want to bury their loved ones. So they can't just like fire up and burn everybody. They can do some that way. So I'll have to do some research before I get to another episode about how much of the crematoria they learned during this euthanasia program. But it was a learning ground. And once you're a doctor and you've already taken this step, I'm not preventing new life. I'm actually taking life. I feel like it's a double-edged sword. One, I've already done it, so what's it going to matter if I do something else, right? I'm already in it. If uh, you go to the gas station with your friends, right, and they kill the clerk, which they should not. Don't kill gas station clerks, because that's, you know, my side hustle here. So if they do that, and then you go down to the Denny's and they decide to rob it. I mean, do you have any real reservations about robbing the Denny's at that point? You're an accessory to murder. You might as well just go for the ride, right? 
Duke has some morality. That's good. Think I would let them kill the gas station. But I'm saying if that's all, if that's already occurred, right? That already went down, and somehow you're tied in with that. Like your morality just changed a little. No, I wouldn't want to add another charge, Dude, like, you're a very like I'm gonna do this murder, but that's it. Okay, I don't I don't know if that's how everybody thinks. I'm glad you think that way. This is how I have raised you. I feel like I've done a good job. <laughs> I don't know how much was me. I was always at work. I will blame your mother a little bit for me. Hopefully, Miss Shayla helped you out with that. But yeah, good job. Woo, don't kill the clerk. Don't, don't kill, kill the, the clerk. clerk. I don't think it does any good to point at the camera. I think it's shut down. Don't kill the clerk. There you go. Point at the microphone. Hey, Baba. Yes, Ahmad. Bubba, today is return of Taliban garage sale. Yes, after many years we are back with all of your favorite high-quality American goods on sale right now, very good prices. Yes, the Taliban garage sale, you need, you need Humvee, you need Black Hawk helicopter, we have those. We have the uh, M4s, we have the night vision, we have many, many weapons, we have uniform. Act now, there are many, many for sale. We also have a huge sale on women's textbooks. They don't need no more. Come get your textbooks for women for school. Uh, unless you are local, you do not need to come. If you do come, wear burqa, bring an escort. All of these items are your gain because they were our bonus when our Uncle Joe left and went away. He leave us these many gifts, many gifts and presents. You can take advantage now. Great sale. Don't forget, everything you need to do whatever it is you want to do, you can get now at Taliban Garage Sale. So, we've crossed the moral Rubicon, basically. Once we're in it, it's kind of like in for a penny, in for a pound, right? Like, I might as well double down with this thing. If Germany wins the war, if the Nazis stay in charge, there's going to be a point where you're not going to have to do this anymore, right? In theory. Hey, we killed all the undesirables. We got them all. Good job, Germany. Now I can uh, not have to worry about these things anymore. I don't know. Is that a real thought? So, like, I would end up killing all the gas station clerks? Oh, my gosh. We've taken analogies far too far today. <laughs> At any rate, we've ended moral dilemmas in the large part, but it's just important to remember that the Nazis wanted medical people to sign off on all this stuff. There's always a, a political element and a medical element, and they both sign off on everything. So morally, even if I'm kind of against something, well, the politician signed off on it. So I'm kind of bound by that. And the politician can say, man, the doctor signed off on it. He's a doggone doctor. Who am I to say different? It gives them both that plausible deniability. So in my mind, I can release my guilt and, I guess, blame the other guy. And that's maybe how I go home at night without just losing my mind because of the stuff I do.
I think a lot of criminals compartmentalize like that. Like, I steal or kill or rob or beat my wife or whatever it is you do that's bad. I do a whole bunch of drugs. But, you know, there was this other party involved or society kind of made me this way or I had to or in reaction like to this. Like with Robin Hood, steal paint to take from the rich. And right, the right. So, you know, yeah, I'm stealing, but really I'm helping. But with the Nazis, there's always a double distinction, a political part and a medical part for anything that involved people's lives. All the way back to when sterilization started and all the way through to the end of the camp. You've got a commandant who runs the camp, right? He's a military officer. But you have medical staff all over this place when people come into the camp. They're, they're doing cursory health checks of Jews that are going in the ovens the next day, right? Like, to give the semblance of we're doing something right, you don't need to check that guy. You're just going to kill him. And we're keeping meticulous records. There's all these systems that are built into this. The forms they use, the multiple people signing off on things. They put a lot of bureaucracy into killing. That's different than, say, the Chinese under Mao or the Russians. They had some bureaucracy because of the party. But, I mean, you had this intense industrial efficiency and this big bureaucratic state all tied in with this killing machine. It's really, I think, one of a kind in history to have all of those things be part of it. There's been a lot of genocide. Most of them are a little more simple. This one was very layered and complicated. But maybe that's why it was ridiculously horrible or successful, depending on what side you're on, right? Like, when I say successful, it doesn't mean I agree with it. But they did kill an awful lot of people pretty quickly. And had they won the war, I don't know. How much do we ever really know? Or how much do we even really care? I guess that's the big kicker. We knew about some of this stuff before the war was ever over, but we didn't talk about it much until it was. All right, Duke. You've listened to me ramble on for a while. I have. Do you have questions or thoughts about the euthanasia program? Because the next step, the next episode, we're actually going to start building concentration camps. We're going to start bringing in the Jews and trying to figure out, gosh, we just can't kill them fast enough. Well, I don't think that you can start killing Jews, though. Well, I'm not going to do it on the show. Oh, my gosh. Killing me. Okay, so when you say euthanasia, okay. is it like separate words? or is it? Like it's all one word. Thing? It's all one word. Kind of like the word anesthesia. That same Gia at the end. It's whatever medical term that relates to. Thank you, Latins. I guess you're Romans and you spoke Latin. Thank you, Romans. <laughs> well, yeah, no. <laughs> what do you think in our world today about, you know, people with um, non-curable diseases like cancer or something like that? 
who want medical assistance in their own suicide. Should that be a thing? Is that well, a legitimate use of, of medicine? If they are like mentally capable of making that decision, and like that's and like that's the decision they choose, then like who am I to like say that they don't get to have that choice? But like if they, but like if they're a kid, and like they're not able to like wrap their head around, I'm gonna end up dead. Then like that's something where then other people need to step in because it's like sure they can say that they want it but like they wouldn't know what they're getting themselves into okay so think about what when you said hey if they've got their full mental capacity then they should does that mean in your ethical view that a doctor maybe it's their doctor what if their doctor's like yeah i'm not going to help you should they be obligated to help them with that kind of a scenario? I feel like there should be, like, set doctors. Like, these doctors understand where the people are, where the people that are coming to them are coming from. And, like, those doctors have the mental capacity to, like, actually help them. Like, to, you know what I mean? So what's the stop? A doctor who has homicidal tendencies from gravitating to that field. My point is just, we try and build all of medicine where it's even. Where in every instance, you do whatever you can to save this life. You do whatever you can to help this person. We try and make medicine a binary choice. I don't know if it actually is or not. But when you're talking about things like assisted suicide, it feels less binary. Because as much as people might be like, well, I could see why somebody might want help with that, and I think that might be okay. As soon as you say, should a doctor have to help with that? Well, that changes things a little bit, right? Anyways, I think this is some of the same moral quandaries that come up in the, in the Nazi state. that They've tried to make this binary. You're either on the team or you're not but at the same time when they put some doctors in these positions and they are just complaining or voicing concern well they just move them somewhere else so in a lot of ways what the nazis did exactly what you just talked about we have a special group of doctors who we've put here and they don't seem to complain about it. so the ones who do the ones who don't like to be involved they're pediatricians out in Munich, they're dealing with, uh, you know, podiatry and fixing people's feet over in Hillsburg. I don't know. I don't know a lot of German cities. But you have found a group that's okay with the morality here. And it's a convenient okay for the party because it matches up with what they want to do. And it makes this perfectly horrible marriage of science and political theory that ends in the death of, you know, several million people. Well, I guess that'll just about do it then, Duke. Thank you for visiting the dark side this week. Oh, uh, are you really going to kick me out? I have another question. Oh, go, go. What do you got? <laughs> um, okay, so 
I know that Germany did a lot to really like hide what they're doing. Yes. And like, sort of. right and right now in China we see like a crap load of genocide. More than Hitler. And so Um do we see more than Hitler? Uh, I mean I know there's like a million Muslims they think that have either been killed or are under duress to be killed. I I heard I heard a few months ago that mm-hmm. like uh, the Chinese government like broke the test of what Hitler did. Oh hey, aim high. Okay, go on. Um, so, well, like in China, we see a bunch of censor- censorship. And yes. So like, does that same sort of thing that China's doing right now, like, like does that correlate with what Hitler was doing? Yeah, but maybe even more so because Germany was part of a westernized you know, philosophical tradition. They'd gone through this enlightenment period and they believed in theory in a free press up until the Nazis. And then the Nazis turned that whole thing on its head and were able to not just, you know, subjugate the press they didn't want to hear, but to really take over the press largely so you could only hear People talk a lot in America today that, oh, the press is so one-sided or whatever. But, I mean, it's it's next-level stuff that the Germans were able to do back then. Um, because the Chinese are communist and they're able to effectively close off, you know, internet traffic in or out, you know, they have very strict controls on the information. They're very isolated by choice and what information can come in or out of them. So I think they're able to... Um, minimize that in some ways better. They don't really have to hide it or lie about it. They just don't let it out. I think the numbers are weird too. You know, when you've got a country of over a billion people, you know, and a million end up dying of this, that, or the other, that's strangely easier to cover up just because of the numbers involved than, you know, Six or seven million in that time in Europe. And six or seven million, I'm just talking about, you know, Holocaust numbers, let alone the war dead and everything else, collateral damage. Does that answer your question? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what becomes of China because they have some strong, um, they have the means to get the word out and to fully embrace an open press and to communicate with the world. And we see a lot of people who try to do that end up missing or killed or disappeared. So their reach is pretty far. It's harder and harder to do that the more advanced technology becomes in the world. Like you can kill easier, you can lie easier, but you can also get caught a lot easier. And when you're um, a society that's watching your own people, so like in their big cities, countryside's all different, but in the big cities, there's cameras everywhere. Those cameras are a two-way weapon, right? You can document and edit it and show anything you want, but they're also documenting what you do. And if anybody ever gets the raw footage, that could be used against you. I don't know. Brave new world we live in. And they talk about the Holocaust and never forget and don't let this happen again. It happens again all the time, which is sad. And I don't know that it's because we didn't learn the lessons of the Holocaust. It's just that bad people learned those other lessons, how to do it, 
in some ways, when we talk about how, you know, this uh, euthanasia program is a, a school, is a model, is a mock-up for the big Holocaust. Well, the Holocaust has been a mock-up for a lot of genocides in other parts of the world, too. Some people look at that and say, yeah, that worked. That's horrible. That's horrifying. That people can look at that and go, oh, that worked. We should do something like that. That's horrific. Anything else? No. All right, Duke. Well, thanks for coming into the dark side today. Thank you for having me. Well, you know, your mother actually had you. I did my part. Thank you. All right. <laughs> we'll see you next time on History on the Dark Side. Thank you for listening to Season 2 of History on the Dark Side. If you're enjoying this season, I highly recommend the following book, The Nazi Doctors by Robert J. Lifton. Not only is it valuable source material, but this is the definitive book on this subject matter. As far as documentaries go, I highly recommend Auschwitz, The Nazis and the Final Solution by the BBC. I don't think there's a better documentary about The Final Solution. I'd like to recommend iCivics. Now, this doesn't have much to do with the Nazis, but if you are a history teacher like myself, or you have a history class, or you're just interested in anything to do with American government or American history, there's a lot of materials at iCivics.com that you can use. And I also want to recommend the Anchor app. If you need to distribute or make a podcast, they make it pretty simple. Special thanks to a lot of people who helped this show happen. I'd like to thank... My cohorts at Eagle Rock Middle School, Jeff and Brett, they listen to me go on and on about what I'm trying to do and help kind of guide my thoughts. I give a lot of thanks to my family. Not only do I have the kids that come up and guest host, they also do some work in the background as far as some of the engineering and helping out with the parody commercials. I suppose if you're listening to this now, you already know how to find the program, but feel free to recommend it to any of your friends that might like it as well. It's available on iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, so just about anywhere you can find a podcast, you should be able to find The Dark Side. I have recently started a YouTube channel for History on the Dark Side, so if you would, if it's easier for you to watch or to listen to the audio on YouTube, you can find me there. And currently under construction, I have a website, historyonthedarkside.com. So hopefully sometime before the end of season two, that is up and running. Thank you once again. I'm so grateful for anybody who takes the time to listen to this. And I will see you next time on The Dark Side.